So want to work at a spiritual basis in my values. So that, that was good. But I honestly forgot about everything else. I have to tell you, I was very unhealthy. My friends, I literally remember when one of them told me, this is the last time, just so you know, I'm calling you again. But if you don't come out now, I'm not calling you again. And it happened. Hi there. Thanks for being here. I'm Greg, a leadership and career coach. In this podcast, I interview people who follow their passion and purpose. I go deep into understanding their motivations, their constraints, and what was going on intellectually and emotionally in the key parts of their journey. With this podcast, I want to inspire others to follow their passion and purpose. If this is you, you may also be interested in my six-week Find Direction course. You can find more information at www.derby.me. Derby yourself, my friends. My guest today is Andrea Mitrell. She calls herself an edupreneur. She's the founder and CEO of Kalina Learning Center, a new type of school that blends together child education and adult development. She started her career as a category coordinator at Coca-Cola. And from the very first time we met in London, while we were both training to become coaches, she's been a real inspiration to me because of her passion for education and also her desire to make education much more relevant to the world we live in today. She's got big aspirations. She's good. She's bold. I love her ambition, really, for what she's trying to do, both for the kids and the parents and I guess in general for the community. So Andrea, it's really a pleasure to have you on the show today. Good to see you, Greg. I really miss talking to you. When we met, it was really a turning point in, in my career where I managed to speak out the vision that I have to find the courage to speak it out. And now I'm on my way. So it's really good to, to see you are there when it started. We'll talk about that uh, for sure. Maybe for people listening to us, can you share where you are right now on this journey? What have you accomplished? You've had this vision. What have you delivered against that vision so far? It's definitely still at the beginning, but it's happened. It's real. And this is what, what surprises me that I heard from somebody that it's almost as easy to sort big problems as it is to sort small problems. So we're just afraid of, of big problems. So I had this dream of a school where both children and adults learn because that's the best for children. If we give them the best adults, this is something that I found very obvious. So now we have actually started. It's been, I think, uh, well, almost two years and a bit since I've started having uh, uh, the idea. And now two years later, there is a school where both children and adults, teachers and parents have made the commitment to learn and grow. Literally, when they join the school, they sign this, this document where we are planning activities for both children and adults. Now, I'm not saying we have it figured out, not at all. We're still trying to see what works. It's real. It's like the prototype. It's happening. We've launched it into the reality of this world. So the baby is out. Yes. And we'll like, grow into something that will take certain shape, sure, but at least it's, it's out. Yeah. And what's the vision? Maybe, maybe take us there a little bit before we go back in time. Yeah, the vision is to turn every family into a, a learning culture so that everyone can learn every, what we need to be a thriving, purposeful adult. So basically, the vision is that we have one time in life when we are in school as children 
And then hopefully when we are done with school, we come out into the world with everything that we need. Whereas most of our experiences when we graduated from whatever kind of formal education, and then we had to learn the important things in life. But as adults, we figured them out and it's not an easy process, all this figuring it out. This is why we're here also talking about it. For me is let's already plan in school to give children all those competencies, we call them physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually on all the levels, not only intellectually, but let's also enable the adults, the real adults in their lives, living real adult lives like we are to model and make visible our learning, our real learning and changing experiences because this will give children a more lifelike uh, image of what being an adult is, and they will be more prepared for being an adult. So this is basically, this is the vision that we have. Beautiful. So I usually go back in time with my guest. So this is where you are now. This is the vision that you very clearly laid out. If we go back in time, I don't know, I don't know how far back in time we should go, but can you tell about your beginnings as maybe a child or maybe what was education like for you? That's quite interesting, actually, to reflect on what it was like for you and how that shaped you and maybe influenced your vision. It's definitely emerging from there, I can tell you. And another thing that I realized, you know, the things that we really long for in life when we give ourselves permission to connect to that, really go back to our childhood and many times to our wounds. That's why they say that the, the wound is your gift because it gives you that drive to, to really want to change something in the world. And for me, it definitely emerged when I was a child because I was in a, a very unstable, unhappy life. And I could see that as a child, how it shifted when we were in public. These adults were becoming something else and behind the closed doors, there was somebody else. And the... It just gave me, I don't know, it just gave me such a, um, a clear image that there is like this hypocrisy of being an adult and also what they requested of us as children, that they were not doing themselves. And this is one of the things that I have in this school. We're not going to be hypocrites. If we ask something of children, we are going to do it. If you want them to not argue with each other, we will not argue with each other. If you want them to be brave, we need to be brave. We also want them to be honest. We need to be honest. So I have this thing ever, ever since I was a child of, it was in me, like I integrity, like these adults need more integrity. <laughs> Man, it's so obvious to children when they're not. So that was one thing. And then talking about formal education, and I can tell you, I also had a really, a really profoundly, an experience that profoundly changed my perspective because I experienced two education system. I was lucky to be in Romania. Well, I wasn't necessarily lucky in certain respects. I was in communist Romania in very formal, old school education. Still very good. I was lucky to have education in the end. But when I was in the 11th grade, I was an exchange student in the US for one year. So I have the physical experience of being a student in two very different worlds, communism, capitalism, censored society, open society, a uh, very formal theoretical learning, more practical. It wasn't an elite school in the U.S. It was some school in the countryside. I didn't get to choose the school. But I can tell you as an adult, so for me, this is not theoretical. I know as an adult that what I learned in that year in the U.S. was more valuable. It enriched me a lot more. 
it gave me more things to use as an adult than all the other 12 whatever years I had in the Romanian system. And mind you, I was always an A student. So I cannot say it wasn't because I didn't study. I always studied. I always had good grades. But all that theoretical part just went away. And it's supposed to. Our brains just does not, don't, do not work like this. We don't retain information unless we use it. Whereas what I did in that one year in the U.S., public speaking, the sports, I was asked my opinion, which was unheard of in Romania, to be asked your opinion. And then it just uh, gave me this sense, first of all, I'm lucky, but then this sense of lost potential. Why? And, and this is what I feel a lot about schools. Like so many of us do so much of school without an impact in our lives. There's this this sense of a lot more could have, could have, we could all have learned so much more in school without any doubt. And I knew it was possible. So now I'm just like really eager to say we need, we have a moral obligation to give children everything that they need in school. If we need to figure it out, if we don't know how to do it already, but we cannot repeat the same thing that is not useful for them long-term. So maybe it helped. Yeah, of course it, it, it did. Now I don't know how to continue because there are so many things that I'd like to dive into from what you said, but maybe just continue on, on, on the time dimension. So you were at school, you looking back, it's easier always to see how certain experiences impact you and enrich you and drive in a way what you're doing and what you describe is very clear. I, I wonder. So you kept that with you, but it took you a while, some time to then express it, right? With the Kalina Learning Center. Maybe can you walk us through that journey of, from that experience, maybe then what happened until you could then formulate the vision that you shared with us and then actually brought this vision to life with a prototype, as you described. I was thinking that even though I said before me, I interview when you was asking me what's important, I said, honesty and be authentic. And even when you started saying that my first job was category coordinator in Coca-Cola, obviously that's the LinkedIn version. So I can tell you <laughs> the LinkedIn version, dear kids <laughs> or dear adults, that's not US people. That's not for many people, the complete full version. So even before that, so I had, I, I didn't know this is what, again, and I remember that feeling of graduating from university after having been a top student and being lost, like totally lost. I had no idea what I wanted. And uh, can we just, just zoom into this? Cause that's quite important, right? Actually, I relate to this, right? Yeah. Coming out of business school, just thinking there were people going for marketing, people going for finance. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do either of this. None of this really appeals yeah. to me. And, and I just wonder for you, what was that experience like? You, know, you said being lost. You don't, the thing is, sometimes you don't even realize your law because you don't even have enough concepts to understand what you don't know. So yeah. you, you emerge as if they, you land on this foreign planet that is adult life in a way, honestly. And especially just again in Romania, it was very theoretical. We didn't even have any career guidance, anything even remotely sophisticated that would help you in real life. So I just tried things. And then I just basically, I did what many adults do, and this is many non-developed adults. And I'm going to tell you about it uh, later because there are stages of development for adults that uh, have been formalized. 
And most of us actually don't move uh, beyond this stage, which is called the socialized mind, okay, where actually the only thing you try to do is what other people are doing. So for me, that was my dream to be a market management trainee in a corporation. Why? Because other people were doing that. I didn't go too deep. You get a job, you get a car, you get a phone. And also in Romania and post-communist Romania, it was an aspirational job. Again, it's valid for a few reasons, but they're not the deep reasons that really give you the good direction and the engagement. Mm. So I had these sales jobs, the very call center for a few years. And then I got my dream job, which was uh, to be a, a, a management trainee in a corporation in Coca-Cola. That's the one you, you, managed, you mentioned. And they also had success because they promoted me very quickly. But the shock that I had, and this is what happens when you don't have your own values and your own sense of personal mission while you choose jobs, is that I was totally unhappy. I was very disengaged. I didn't like it. And I honestly thought there's something wrong with me. What's wrong with me that I'm not enjoying this success that everybody around me is telling me, this is a good job. You did great. You're doing great. They promoted you. So... I honestly thought there's something wrong with me, that I'm a misfit, that I'm incapable to, to adapt. And, uh, and then there's another part missing in that the resume I'll tell you, because it's a LinkedIn resume, is that I quit my job and I became a cabin crew in uh, Abu Dhabi. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Arab, Arab Emirates, because I had, uh, there was definitely not a big career plan. I was just drifting. But I think one thing that was good about me and I think one thing that is guiding me is that even when I was confused, if, if I didn't feel engaged, if there was something about me in me that says it's not okay, I quit. Whereas many people just normalize that feeling of disengagement. This is why we have, what, 10% engagement in corporations. Like 90% of people don't quit their job and become cabin crew like I did. They stay there disengaged. Maybe that's even more scary, I think. So hey, I was What do you think stands you apart from other people? It's just that I have something in me that makes it impossible to, to not choose jobs and people and friendships and everything that are not like really aligned with me. And even if I don't know what it is, I, I feel, I can feel that, that disconnection. I feel it. There's something wrong. Even when I didn't have the words, now I can explain you, I can explain to you what it was because I understood it later. But back then I just felt it was wrong and I left, but I told you, I, my, my conclusion was, and uh, this is probably why many people have a hard time doing this. There must be wrong with me. I'm a failure. I had a good job. Why am I not happy? I'm incapable of happiness. I, I just want to feel that's, you know, another perspective, which is mine just for people listening, because when very early on, when I started my career, I didn't feel that sense of fulfillment. I felt like it was out of purpose, but actually I had a great boss, believed in me, helped me grow. And then I had a team and growing those people, working with them, that gave me some sense of purpose. I knew I was not in the right place, but it was, I, I would say the, the sense of misalignment was not strong enough. You see what I mean? Yeah. And I was not that much in tune with my feelings. Yeah. So I'd love to hear you said, now I know, looking back, I know exactly what happened. Yeah. Can you just maybe shed some light on that? 
I can definitely. And even, uh, I can even uh, formalize what purpose and uh, that uh, sense of purpose is made of because I actually studied it later. And you mentioned two of the things that you did have in that job. And this is why you stayed because there are three, but if I have two, they're already good, which is a, a sense of purpose in our work can be offered by our relationships. And you have those correct by growth and you had that in your job, but also you also need impact many times. And if you don't have that, there's like the golden triad to have all of them, the relationships, the growth and the impact. So in my job in Coca-Cola, uh, I, I know that I didn't have the impact. I had a lot of growth. I had a lot of relationships, but I realized later that I'm, I'm hungry for impact. I need to make a difference in the world. And I remember a moment that was happening every day that I didn't, I wasn't aware of at that time where in the morning, the first thing we would get the sales reports, all the sales analysts had been early. So when we were arriving at 8, 8.30, we were getting all the sales reports by brand, by category, by key account. And all my colleagues were like, oh, wow, in, uh, oh, I don't know, in Carrefour, we're not doing as well. Pepsi's doing better. And in this uh, district and this town, oh, but that promotion really worked. Look at what Fanta is doing. And always I had this sense inside. I remember that where I was saying, I am going to speak nicely. Like, I don't give up. About Coca-Cola, I literally, I don't care. I don't care if any bottle of Coca-Cola ever sells. Actually, the opposite. I <laughs> So, you know, and I remember I was feeling that. And then later, after being cabin crew and then other things happened and um, like personal also, and uh, I can tell you, but the, it's beside the point now. When I went back and I'm looking for jobs and I had that feeling that you said then, like now I did, I had my dream job in the corporation. I tried being cabin crew. I know that's not the dream job. I didn't have relationships or impact or growth there. Like all of them were missing. And then I knew really, this is not good for me. And uh, I was lost until one of my friends did a, a value exercise with me. Cause I told her, look, like I'm, I've been back in Romania. I'm not applying for any jobs anymore. Like I, I don't know what to do. And I know I don't want corporations and I don't want that. I know what I don't want, but I don't know what I want. Like, how am I going to choose a job or a career anymore? She said, forget about job titles, fields, industries, companies, forget all about, go somewhere with a sheet of paper, just write what's important for you. So basically that's, I was 30. That's when I did my first value exercise. And then I wrote the first thing I wrote, it was, I need to do good in the world. And then all of a sudden I knew like Coca-Cola or cigarettes or I don't know. All of it became a very clear no. Like so many things all of a sudden I understood why I would never work there. No matter how nice the people are, no, no matter how much I grow. And this is when I ended up in education. This is, but I, I had to write it down and it took me when I was 30 when I figured it out. Wow. Yeah. I, I need didn't to realize it took so, so long, but can you explain the bridge between impact, okay, that's clear, to education, which is a much more precise expression of that. I had a few criteria then. So this is, I told them 30, I had the traditional success with a socialized mind where I, I took the job that people around me said it's a good job in society, the corporate job, then I just went crazy in a way, being cabin crew. And then I came back and this is literally when I moved into this, the adults, if we're lucky, we move beyond being socialized into self-authoring. 
self-authoring. It's a more advanced stage of being an adult. Only about 30 something percent of adults are there where you make criteria. You become the author of your own life because you make criteria. So that least really helped me to choose things more, more aware. And I had a few things. I, I said, I want to do good. I want to work with people directly because that's what I like. I, I do uh, like it for it to be international. And then there was this project that my, my sister back in the day was involved in, in a school. She told me to come and join us. And I said, no, not with my sister, whatever. There's another story. But then when I had that list, which was like my choices, it ticked all of them. It could have been other things. It could have been NGOs, international working with people. It could have been when I had a, a whole different, all of a sudden, and I felt there were no options. I didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, I saw more options. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's as if like when you're lost, you're looking through a lens and it's all very blurry because you don't have criteria like you called them. And therefore, you can't really see clearly what's good or bad for you. And suddenly you've got a lens, you've got criteria, and then you've got a sort of a scope of action yeah. and, and then you can focus your lens on this area yeah. and then you can see clearly. I just want to, again, for our audience, what's interesting, what you said is on those development stages and you use very different words from the socialized mind to doing what I need, I need to do this because that's what others do. That's what accepted. That's what is expected of me. And then you move to the self-authorship mode and then suddenly it's, I want, I choose yeah. Yeah, and it's very exactly. different. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. When you, and then you're engaged because you chose for yourself and then. What, what's that little smile when you say that? Because, because then you, you don't go, it's a totally different way of living this is, to working here because we, we speak about work, but I think work is such an important part of life that I think it is life in that disengaged thinking you have work when you're engaged and you believe in what you do and you chose it like from deep down in, in your own self, then work is exciting. Work is life. Work, work is great. Work is your, your chance to bring something into the world that you really want to bring. It's not easy. It's not always fun. You don't always feel like it. Uh, you're not always uh, successful, but you're engaged. Like I've never been disengaged ever again. I always cared. Now I care too much almost, I could say, but it's fun. I like it. I, I'm sure you do. And that's why you're here. But Okay, so your sister talked about that idea of working with her and you had made your list of criteria. And so what happened? So they had started a, a school with the, the ladies that had the, the preschool where her, her um, uh, children were. In Romania, the education system went downhill. Oh, we had, uh, I think uh, there's this statistic, I keep forgetting it, but just I think this is such a good indicator how bad it is. I don't need to say anything else. In 25 years after the revolution, we had 21 ministers of education. If you can imagine, mm -hmm. there you go. So no sound reform, no, okay, no progress, just going downhill. And then parents are parents. They care about their children more than anything else. And they know education is important. So basically in many countries like Romania, you start sponsoring the reform of education with private schools. This is what, what parents do. There were many projects at private school, and this was one of them at the very beginning, uh, started by people who actually had very little experience, like none. My sister didn't have experience in education. I didn't have, obviously, but we had in business. And then 
out of the other partners, one, one did have some experience in education and the other not at all. So it was crazy. Like it was like the wild west, I think, in a way of entrepreneurship, especially in education in Romania. But so many people were starting. So we were all like figuring it out as we went along. So how so, did you decide? How did you make the decision to ultimately work with your sister? I literally, uh, to be involved in that school, I literally, when I had that list, I told you, like when my friend told me, stop thinking about uh, job titles, industries, companies, forget about all of that, get right on that sheet, what's important for you, regardless of all that stuff. And then I looked at the list and I saw school, international, I would work with people. It ticked all the boxes. So I said, yeah, there you go. So I just got involved in that. And then it just became crazy because you have no idea when you start something as an entrepreneur, what, what happened. I was actually like, initially I was employed. And then in a couple of years, long story, I'm not going to say everything, but we ended up my sister, myself and my brother-in-law to run the school because we took over because it didn't work out with the partners that um, were involved and nobody had any educational background. If you had told us three or four years before then we would have a school and running it without anybody on the team with educational background, nobody would have gotten into it. But by then it was, you're just doing it. It's like when you have a child, I think in the end, you, nobody tells you what you're going to get, but then you just do it, you know, you keep doing it. And we figured out it was very successful eventually, but it, it was very stressful many years. So very sure. successful and stressful. Very stressful. Yeah. I think I had about five years and now we go back to the vision of this school because I figured out uh, uh, life by pieces and we just talked about work until now. Yes. And obviously there are the other parts of life, which is being physically okay, healthy, emotionally. And spiritually, let's just say work is intellectual, although it has other parts. It definitely spiritual when you're engaged. So my work had a spiritual basis in my values. So that, that was good. But I honestly forgot about everything else. I have to tell you, it was about five years when it was at the beginning, when there was one crisis after another, either somebody was leaving us, a family was having a, a scandal, a crisis, or we didn't have money for something or there was always something happening unexpected at the beginning. Also, we, we were not prepared to anticipate and we learn very painfully. And uh, in very many ways, I learned very many le great lessons. But actually, I forgot about many parts of my life. I was very unhealthy. My friends, I literally remember when one of them told me, this is the last time, just so you know, I'm calling you again, but this is the last time when I'm going to call you. Remember this. And if you don't come out now, I'm not calling you again. And it happened. Yeah. I remember I was in Bucharest and... I, I went downtown with a friend at one point, and then I realized I hadn't been out like downtown, like with my friends for a year. I felt like a tourist. Said, so you, you're not, you, I got lost in the work now because I didn't have a sense of the balance that I'm supposed, you're supposed to create it purposefully, honestly. So I didn't know. And then when I was 35, that's honestly, this, I also got married for all the wrong reasons. Also very quickly because I thought, okay. I messed this up. I'd only work now quickly. That's the way think. It doesn't work like that. When I was 35, actually, this one, I did the first life coaching program because I realized, man, this is not good. This is not good. Uh, I was not sleeping. I was smoking a lot. I told you, I lost connection with my friends. I had a husband that we rushed into things and then we rushed out of them. And then I did the life coaching program. And in those for four months, for four months. And when I literally again, but then I wrote all those things and I reflected and I made them explicit, but for all parts of life, 
And then I said, oh, hello, relationships are important. You need to make time to be with friends. And health is important, but then you actually need to choose what you eat and you need to work out and you need to not get lost in work. So you need to, I literally started like putting on my to-do list, see friends, talk to a friend. For me, it's, they're so common sense in a way, but they're not so common sense because many people have the same experience in the end. You end up getting lost in something in work or in a personal relationship sometimes or in motherhood for mothers or in something else. So it's, this is what I'm trying now with the school, why we have this holistic curriculum with emotional, physical, intellectual, and spiritual, because I want Children, when they graduate, already have this, uh, this like matrix. So they don't end up being too much off balance, like how I feel we were, a lot of us in, in our generation, because we had no conception of what a thriving, purposeful life as an adult is like. So we were like, oh, yeah. I have to get a job, get married. Okay. But yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. This what's one, important to you in this? Yeah. And how to design a life. So this is at 35, that's the first time when I learned, you know, not only about work, but also how to design your whole life, how to take mm, care mm. of a good life. And you know, I, I, one of my, actually it was a couple on this podcast, Pierre and, and Joe Mayer, great episodes. They founded a company together. And, and what they said is we made the choice that we would design work so that it, so that it works for our life, work serving our life. Yeah. Instead of the opposite, but I hear you on the image I had when you were talking about this like, passion for and, and, and search for meaning for educa in education, it, sound, it looked like a fire burning in you. It's the fire of that. That's really what animates you. But it, if it takes the whole part of you, then it's, I'm not sure if it's a bit cheesy image, but then it burns because it's just, it's just yeah. too much. You know, and I've interviewed other people on the podcast also where it just, it, it takes yep. over and, and exactly. then it, obviously it, it doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't because it's not sustainable. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So this, like when you do a career shift, just keep in check the, the other parts of your life because sometimes you can shift into something that engulfs you. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So at 35, you did your life coaching, you realized you had to find a better balance. Yeah. And so what did you do? My life changed, literally. It was very good. I had a few very good years. I also started doing therapy because I realized, you know, many of the things work is such a good place to, to not look at your own problems. It's beautiful for that. And then I, like I tell you, just so you know how bad it was, I was smoking three, three packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I remember I was going to bed and my, my fingers were, were tingling, uh, the tips of my fingers were tingling and it was because it was affecting my circulation. Anyway, I'm so grateful. I, I, then I quit. So the, in those months I quit, I started running, I started going to half marathons. I started uh, uh, making more friends, even at work, because I started looking more even like personal and reconnecting with my friends and also going out on these emotional journeys and spiritual journeys with well, even meditation and uh, all kinds of things I did. I went to Osho for a program. I went to India. I searched for things to find all of these missing parts of myself. And it was good. It became better and better for me. Yeah. Very worthwhile work. Mm. But, How long did it take for you to find a 
like like a proper balance? You know what that is. I don't think it exists, honestly, except for very elusively. You have good mo. You have like it. It 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 evens out. It's it's a lot better than it ever was. And this is another thing. You normalize the new good, so it's a lot better than how it was. I don't know. I think in, in three years, I, I but even then, uh, in three years, I had really I had felt so much more grounded and so much uh, better, and uh, I had a much richer life. I think. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm still I'm still going through that. I'm still going through that. It was really really hard though, because this is what happens in family systems. And I told you I was working with my sister and my brother-in-law. They were my partners. And by then, we also became a much larger school. We were more successful. It's also that stress. It wasn't that startup feel anymore. After five years, we had a more stable team. We figured out many of the things that we were doing well. It was also more mature organization. So I think I had more time and headspace for myself. But when I started working with things from my past, which is the family past, obviously, because we're a family unit, the funny thing is the better I was, the worse we were, the relationship uh, between the partners and the family, because a a bad family dynamic is something that actually people cooperate to have. So when one person changes it, it affects everyone. You, you, You cannot. It's almost like the family says, come back to don't do this because we liked our balance. The, the way we had it. My life became better and richer, just the family dynamics, which were unfortunately also business, just became worse and worse. So yeah. it was a very interesting deal. Mm. When you say this, it sounds a bit like uh, the drama triangle or the, the Cartman triangle, you yeah. know, where, okay, you were busy on every front, maybe yeah. the savior. Yep. And, and then suddenly you pull back a little bit and then suddenly you'll be like, wait a second. That was so, great yeah. when you were dealing when with all these issues. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's exactly that. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. I, I just would like to take a bit of perspective because I saw on your video on the website of the Colina Learning Center that you started the first school, right? This school that you're mentioning, not the one you started that first school that you, your first year, you were six. Pupils, students, students, yeah, right? six exactly. students. So when I joined in, you know, in 2007, because I remember in the winter, we had six, six students. So we, the school had started in September. I joined in November, something like that. And it was six students. Yes. Yeah. And when you left, I know maybe we need to dig a little bit into that, the latter part. But... If you think like we became partners, so we've had all kinds of things that, hey, Ended up heading one of our locations, which is, I, I never thought that my, my sister either, which said our background is in business. So it's like, we've had people on the team who are experts in education, but life doesn't want that uh, always that we had the smaller location, but that had the largest, the larger, the preschool that had the larger number of students. And it was very important for us because it was actually funding the other location who was just starting. The primary school was just starting. So we didn't have too many students. So it was very important for the preschool location to work well, but uh, the head of school quit overnight. So this is what, when you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. You don't know. It's not like, it's not my job. Everything is your job. So when somebody just quits, you become, you become that you cannot. So I ended up heading that uh, location overnight, literally. She just told us today and then all the whole team was coming tomorrow and the school year was starting. So I was like, okay. But that was, that was actually, I can tell you, that's how you discover what you like to do. That was what led 
to me, discovering what I really like to do, because it's not about education, what I really like to do and why we ended up being in a coaching training together. What I really like to do is create the systems, the teams and the relationships that create great organizations. And this is what I'm really passionate about. And I believe coaching is a key skill that, uh, that you need to have. If you just look around me, just randomly, or if you look behind me, this, these are the kind of books that I have on everyone culture. So I have so many books about coaching back there. I showed you. So for me, it was great when I became the head of a team without being an expert in what they were doing, because I didn't realize what I was doing, but because I didn't know, I could not provide the answer. So I ended up just adopting this coaching style because honestly, I didn't know what to tell them. And they're all looking at me and I'm just like, you guys know better than I do. What would you do? How would you do it? Why don't you talk to each other and then come to me with a proposal? And because uh, I have no idea, don't ask me. Honestly, I do not know. So I ended up being this very, you know, spontaneous coach on the job out of ignorance, but it was very good because they became a great team. They became a wonderful team. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they became a lot of things I'd love to, to dig into. One of them is you laid out a beautiful vision for education at the beginning of our talk. What was your vision then? And how much of a, how much of a clear vision did you have of education? In the previous project, zero, almost not aware, not aware. I told you, I got into it. I'm going to do the marketing, like what I knew from Coca-Cola, I was in marketing communication. That's just, that's just everything I could do. In, in the end, we ended up doing everything because we were, when you go from a big corporation, this is thing and everybody, I want my own company, but then you don't realize you have to be all the departments. <laughs> you don't have a big team behind you anymore. So it's not, oh, I'm here to do marketing. Well, bad for you. It's good for you, but now you have to do finance and now you have to do, to clean. Now you have to be a driver and uh, now you have to set the processes. So this is what I said. I joined, I'm going to do the marketing part, but then we ended up doing everything. But I didn't have a vision. I thought it's a cool project. I'm joining it. I like the vision. I'm going to learn. This is another thing that I, it's such a shift in your identity to even give yourself permission to have a vision. You know, we're so socialized. Like I need to, I'm joining something. I'm going to be an employee, a part of something. But it's very different when you give yourself permission. No, I can create something. And this was one of the biggest shifts. And I did it there with you and with the collective for me. That, that was so important because I don't think, and not only me, like even the people around me were like, um, we were intuitive entrepreneurs. We were not, we didn't have a written down vision. And I don't think we had the, the courage for it. And this is why I could also see we, we had a vision at the beginning, but because it wasn't clear and we couldn't make commitments or didn't understand, it shifted. And again, it's a beautiful school. It's very well done. But by, by what we initially said, like for children to be happy, fulfilled, you know, all of these things, in the end, in the end it's just an exam-oriented school that does some things additionally, like many good schools, but it wasn't there. But then I, because I chose work that's a feeling. I became a professional. I started to really understand education. I was always passionate about education. I went through my own growth as an adult finally. And this is when I said, oh, this is what we should give to children earlier. 
I did coaching I, and I started being, I did a master's in educational leadership in Institute of Education London. And then, and then you actually start having the categories. And with those categories, you can have a vision, I think. What are the way. categories? What is good education? What is educational leadership made out of? Uh, what are the methods? What are the options? Like to have a vision, you need to know you have options. This is why some people are saying like people in Africa or people who are poor, why don't they have a vision of their life? They don't even know they have options. It's one of the things, just know there are more options available to you. Yeah. Well, so that's so informing I... yourself, educating yourself, yeah. what, are, what are the possibilities yeah. Yeah. and then clarifying, okay, this is what I want. This is what exactly. I want to create. Exactly. And like you said, that's a shift to go from do what everybody else tells me to do what I think I need to be doing to, okay, I'm going to do what I want to do, what I think is necessary. It sounds like when you threw yourself into the first school project, starting with six students. Yep. You threw yourself with the open mind of, I'm here to learn. And yep. just this in itself is a big shift. I think that's the one thing I always had, I can tell you. I okay. think I, this is, you know, like that fixed mindset and growth mindset. I think one of the things that I told you, I was always really good at school. I always believed I can learn anything. Like always, I believe if somebody else can do it, I can do it. And if somebody else, and this is why I actually accomplished my dreams. You know, I told even being a management trainee. So I always was, was able to acquire the success that I set out to acquire, but I, I didn't realize uh, sometimes this is a trap where, where you can actually, you believe so much, you can do anything that you are successful at anything, but anything is not what you want necessarily. So this is, for me, I always had this kind of a sense of self-belief that I can do what's asked of me. It took me a while to want things. And it was a totally different shift to actually give myself permission to create. This, this was probably the biggest shift in my life. To say, okay, to move from out of being part of the system to say, no, I can choose things for myself. And now I'm in the part of my life where I'm saying, I can create a system. And this is like, there was, um, so, so as, as soon as I, you think it's possible, this is what I said, it's easy with one of my friends from England, in London, uh, my friend I was uh, living with when I was in London, he told me, and he's also a coach and passionate about learning and development. He told me, Andrea, it's as easy to complicate, to solve big problems as it is to solve small problems. Just choose a really important problem for you. Don't think. Even if it's really big, don't worry about it because you have the same process. You think about it, then you have ideas, then you try something, you know, but you have mm. to give yourself permission to solve a big problem. Yeah. But what, what you're saying is like, you choose the problem and then you create the solution. You give yourself permission to, okay, I'm going to give my own recipe to solve this problem. Yes. So tell us about this. How did that happen for you to take that step from choosing to creating? Failure. <laughs> Failure first. <laughs> yeah. So I told you it was very difficult for me uh, and we, we had success and success is one of the biggest, one of the biggest failure traps. No, isn't that what, what they, what they call it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
What does it say? If you're comfortably successful, you don't want to move. If you end up having a good enough job with a good enough salary or whatever, you're in a good enough company, you don't want to move because it's not easy. So for me, I didn't want to go anywhere, honestly. I know I was really happy. <laughs> we worked hard. I was finally balanced. I had friends, you know, a relationship. I was healthy going to half marathon, going to music concerts. I didn't have to work as much. I had a great team that I loved and they loved me back. It was wonderful. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like my goal. I was engaged. It wasn't, you know, perfect, but I didn't care about that. It was very good. But because I started having the difficulties with my sister and my brother-in-law and their partners, we worked together. And then it got so bad that I had to leave. I had to leave my life. I didn't want to. It was like, you have no idea. It was like, like I left a huge part of myself because like my best friend is there. She has a child there. I made friends there with families, with staff. I was, it was, I lived next to it. The friends I was running with, they were working or being in school, you know, uh, the friends I'm going. So it was such a big part. I was such a, uh, schools are communities. And then I had to leave. And I had to leave also the town because in a way I knew I couldn't do, I and mean, we agreed I wouldn't do a school there because it would have been split the community in half. And everyone I said, okay, we can't do that. So I had to leave and it was horrible. And then I was, I just did, I didn't know. I took a sabbatical. I did the Camino. I did a fellowship from the U.S. I did a career shift program. That fellowship was also to help me with career shifts. And that kind of normalized it because there were other people like me in their 40s, 50s, uh, who are equally petrified of what to do next. And sometimes it's more petrifying when you have been successful because it's, oh, will I be able to do it? There's more of expectation and there's more what to bet. Like you bet more. There's, the, yeah. there's, there's more at stake. There's more at stake. Yeah. When the, what was your mindset then? Because it sounds like you knew you wanted to do something in education, but was there some doubt? Fear, fear, fear of being alone, of having to start all over, of being able to be successful again, like fear. This is what I remember. And that sense of loneliness also, because we said that part of the purpose when you have the relationships that I had lost them, the relationships, and I didn't know what to do again. Like really, so just fear. I think I had so much fear, but then it normalized it. And I think this is one of the things that helped me be an entrepreneur now that I got so used to, 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 to living with fear that an uncertainty, which in the end, so many people, we have so much more uncertainty for the past two years than we ever had. So I could say I was equipped uh, for it because I just had kind of, I left into the unknown. This is the feeling that I had. I just left and went. I didn't know what to do, where. Not there, not where everyone I loved that knew was. So I, that's the one thing where I couldn't be. But then I could be anywhere else, but I didn't know which way to go. It was interesting. I ended up in London, <laughs> was in Ecuador, <laughs> in America. I was in many places, but what really helped, and this is the, like talking about career shift programs, that program was so important to me because I was with uh, people who were going through the same difficulties and to have a, a frame for somebody giving you opportunities to reflect, to express, to form language, to put into words. And then I re started to regain clarity, to regain a sense of direction. 
for, from a much more profound place than even before. It took months and months. So it's a lot of hard work, but then you really dig deep, deeper and deeper. And what comes out of that uh, is a lot better. Although it, it, I had moments when I was literally like, I'm never going to find another place. It's never going to be so good. I'm going to have to accept some crap job somewhere that I don't like just because I will have to say like, fear. Or screwing it up. Yeah. Yeah. And what made you or enabled you to go deeper on for that particular program? I'm curious, obviously, for the program we run. And uh, I guess for people, maybe there are tools out there that you could share. Yeah, no, for sure. I think I can even have, uh, I can even, I even have some of them here. There is a book where I gave them away because I give, I thought they were so useful, these books or these resources, Design Your Life, for instance, is a book. I think uh, Dave Evans and Bill Burnett from Stanford, where you apply design thinking principles to designing your life and career, because we're so, honestly, I don't know why we're under the illusion that it's easier for other people. It's not. And even some of the people that were in my, uh, the, the program is from America and we had a global cohort and they were former VPs. They worked in Washington, DC, they were in Silicon Valley or uh, in San Francisco in these big NGOs. They were equally petrified. They had the same, especially when you want to make a change and you, it's scary. It's as if the, the land is falling from under your feet and you're like suspended. You're like, what am I going to do next? So. Any, all these tools that we did, even I told you about purpose and why I understand because purpose is so abstract. Yeah, of course I want the purposeful life, but what is that? It doesn't make sense for us, but I did a purpose assessment and that was a really cool tool. It's from Imperative. Imperative is a company in the US who have formalized and it's a really cool tool, the purpose assessment. They used it. I recommend for anybody who does career shift programs to use it. Because it gave me, that's when I saw the relationship growth and impact, all of those things. So I was like, ah, okay. So it, that's why even sometimes people in NGOs, even if you have the impact, but you don't have the growth on the relationships, uh, they're like victims uh, in a great purposeful job. It's not enough to just have the impact. And it was, and also hands-on experience, because one of the things that they're saying in design your life is that uh, it's such a bad place to just stay in your mind and think about it. it. It can even paralyze you. Like just go out and try things. So this program, they had this fellowship with books, new concepts, tests, this cohort sharing over four or five months. But they had the global network of organizations in which you could volunteer. They called it experteering. So they were volunteering for people with the professional experience. And I went to Ecuador for four months again. Why not? <laughs> Why not? There was a story there. It was a good, it was a very good experience on one hand, very hard on the other, uh, but it was so just to be, to try something else that I think helps because it's not from just from our mind and tests and profile of personality. No, you literally have to go try things and it's not going to work out from the beginning. It doesn't mean you failed. It means you, you still need to experience a few things to figure it out. Yeah. How long do you think it takes for people to figure it out? So this was another thing I told you. And there was like, I remember it was such a sense of relief when they, they shared this podcast with us. It's from Harvard Business Review, if I remember correctly. The woman who was doing the HBR podcast and she was talking about her changing her job after how many years and how terrified she was as well 
and, and she was talking to, well, I forgot her name, a professor who specializes in these things. I'll send you, I'll send you her name. And uh, she's sharing all these things that I'm feeling and it normalizes. Oh, so even if this har smart Harvard people feel like this and even high level people feel like this. And then she said three years, she said on average people in mid careers who have had success, they have had an important position or business, the shift takes a while until you're well settled in the new life scenario. So just like bear through it because you're going to go through this identity questioning of yours a bit, but in three years, so for me, it was like three years, I don't know. It was like 2020, 2021. So it's about correct. It took about three years. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's really interesting perspective. I also relate to this. I just want to share for you know, listeners, you talked about being petrified. And on my end, I lost my job and okay, it looked like a total failure to me and, and it was very difficult. I had an idea of what I wanted to do and I was so much in fear of not knowing that I just threw myself into something. I had like, I, I saw a little rock yeah. you know, in the sea of uncertainty and I yeah. grabbed that rock and it was like the only thing that mattered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was my natural reflex. I don't yeah. regret it. But I wished I had taken a bit more time to just calmly, peacefully look at different options, talk to more people and just exploring. And so just sharing this for the benefit of our, of our listeners. You mentioned earlier that you've learned to navigate uncertainty, to live with it. And that in a way equipped you with what happened with COVID. Can you share, what have you learned? What? could all the people learn if they're maybe thinking of making a change and they're about to do it, then know, you know, it's scary to make the leap. What can people do to manage this? Because of course, if it's three years, that's a long time. A lot happens in three years. And if it's three years where you've got to figure out, you know, ways to make it work, it's very difficult. It's a very, it, it can be a very difficult period where people could give up. Yes, definitely. When I can tell you that I learned, I got used to it. It, it doesn't mean that I like it, honestly. And it wasn't, it wasn't uh, very uncomfortable. Also, because I had that feeling I wanted to grab onto something, but I'm really happy because when I left for London, just so you know, I came back uh, to Romania after the sabbatical and uh, there were all kinds of opportunities for me. And I was like, who really want to stay now? Cause I was in the world in Ecuador, all of that. I really want to stay. But then again, I felt, and I think this is one of the moments that really, I feel like the universe shifted when I did this, I was tired. It had already been a year and a bit of looking. I was back in Romania. I was having some good enough opportunities that sounded good with people I liked and people who I was friends with. And, uh, I was tempted also because I was tired and I wanted certainty. But that's when I remember that I felt that I told it because I have that no in me. I have that no, it's not aligned. It's not what I want. And I, I literally, I almost like got depressed because I was thinking like, I want to make, well, but there was nothing is happening. I should make this, this choice. So, you know, and again, what's wrong with me in a way? 
just choose something to come on. And then I said, no, I said, no, I said, no, until I'm aligned. No. And then I, I said, I'm moving to London. This is when I came to London. I said, if it's not here, I'm just going to keep going. I felt like Ulysses, you know, you <laughs> know, there are cyclops here. And then there are the sirens and these were like the sirens. I really wanted to stop. And then I managed to pull myself away. And that's when I decided to move to London. But the thing is, when I said that big no, I got a big yes. That's when I got out of nowhere. So I honestly believe it, that the universe, when you have uh, the conviction to stick to yourself. I had a call out of nowhere from these American investors who are developing this uh, project in Romania, in the city where I went to university, who called me in the week when I was moving to London. I was packing my things. I was coming to London. I had no idea what I'm going to do. I, I registered for coaching. I said, if I cannot do the kind of school I believe in, I'm just going to bring things I believe in into education, like coaching. That was my vision. I registered to Coactive. I moved, I was moving to London and I got a call totally random. You have no idea how random. Somebody I had briefly been in their office four years before who remembered me because they were looking for somebody to create their educational project in Transylvania. They barely knew me, didn't have my number, even I think, because they had to get it from somebody else. So like, oh, you remember me? From, and yeah, I do. They're very cool. I knew, I, I, I did remember them, but they're really, they're, this guy is the branding guy from this project. And I respected him professionally a lot. I had heard about him, but I told you I met him once in my yeah. life. So. That's incredible. That is incredible. But so it sounds like for you, during those, this period of uncertainty, you took the courage to say no to those opportunities yeah. Yeah. to say ultimately a big no, despite things that were things that you liked, but just because it just wasn't partly aligned, just partly yeah. aligned. Yeah. And yeah. What else? So how did you manage to gain that courage to say no to those things? I'm not sure I have a recipe, honestly. I think also because of the experience that I had before, I knew I wanted also, it wasn't only about the vision. I knew I wanted a certain kind of relationship with the people that I work with because I was in that um, mix of uh, family, business, uh, relationship that is not 100% clear and sort of professional always and does not evolve with the growth of a company. And then I said, I really want to have very high level professionals around me who are very okay with having these very honest conversations when it goes uh, um, uh, wrong or when it goes right so we can evolve. And I told you, some of the offers were from friends and it was exactly, I was like trying to have these honest conversations and I knew they didn't want to because it's also part of our culture in Romania and many, very few friends or family who work together actually managed to do that. And I said, I don't want this for me. This is this, I love this book and everyone culture. And this is what I got to. I want to create something like this in education where it says that they're called deliberately developmental organizations. So basically what they're saying is that in most organizations, but also I think family units, communities, everybody has a different, a second job, which is to cover and hide things. They have their main job or their main role, maybe to be a parent or to be a friend or to be a neighbor, but then 
you have the job to cover. And I said, this is one thing. I, I just want to be with people who are committed and are comfortable being honest with themselves and with each other. And because I, I didn't have that, I said, that's the only, I, I don't want to work in any, with anything else anymore. And now we get back to the school, the, the vision of the school that I have now, which is exactly that. All the adults are making a commitment to not hide, to not have that second job where we hide things from ourselves and worse from the children, which is such a pattern in uh, parenting and teaching that we expect them to do things that we don't do ourselves, but we would never admit uh, in front of them that we ourselves are incapable or fail yeah. repeatedly at doing that. So what, I, what I'm taking away from what you're saying is you did a hard work to clarify what you really wanted and therefore being able to say no was simpler because you had those very yeah. important criteria. And then, then you had to carry on and hope that you would, you know, come across something that would work. Yeah. And so you had this phone call from this American investor out of nowhere. And then what happened? I had the first phone calls from the Romanians who are running things here on the ground. And uh, I was funny, I said, but I'm going to London in a few days. And, and they said, yeah, but we want to work with you. And let's talk. And said, okay, but then I can only come tomorrow. Said, yeah, okay, we'll get you the flight. So they got the flight from, I was in Bucharest. I went to Transylvania to Cluj, where I am right now. And I talked to them. And talking about like when you're determined to be aligned, I started to, I didn't even read the website, honestly. I was moving. I was, it, 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 I know it doesn't make sense almost, but honestly, I did not even read their website. By the time I got there, this is how many things were going on in my mind. I'm still registering for coaching. I'm doing coaching sessions on the phone while I'm moving around. I have to pay taxes from my phone. I'm uh, sorting out going to London. So I have these pressing things to do. So I just show up there and they hear me talking. We go to a very nice restaurant. Uh, oh, let's, Bande, we know about you, but tell us more about you. And I'm very eager to speak about myself. I started talking and then they go after listening to me about 10 minutes, say, Oh, you really read our website, everything, uh, and you use the same language and you came well prepared. And I said, I have no idea. So we're, we're really very aligned with the vision, very aligned. We used, and this is why I decided to come to Cluj, because I can tell you, these people are calling me. I don't know them very well, but the words they use, because I remember their words, innovative, design thinking, high quality, servant, servant leadership, contribution. Uh, caring about each other, all of these things, they're like buzzwords, because th these are the words that I have worked on all these years, two years, I keep working and I have them. So they're speaking my language, these people. Yes. And then they had the same feeling with me. I'm speaking their language. And then, um, yeah. And then we had our coactive, this enriching opening process in which I said, like in public, I really want to change education. And I remember that day, it was like, shaking, like uh, all these voices, who, who do you think you are that you can say this? Uh, but I said it. So that gave me a lot of courage then. And then I Just went to saying it. Yeah. Just saying this. Yeah. Articulating a few simple words, uh, daring yeah. to say yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. When you started the first school project, you were six, you, there were six students. How many were there when you left? So there were six students in school and there were a bit more in preschool, but when I left, there were almost 600. Wow. Okay. So yeah. it's big. Now, now we have 16. <laughs> wow. 
Exactly. Fantastic. Yeah. Really interesting what you said about just daring to say something that's been maybe in your mind for a very long time, but daring to say, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to create. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is so different. You know, this is such a huge difference because we keep saying somebody should do this. The world should do Okay. But when you say I, this is war. This is you know, so scary. Yeah. It reminds me of, I'm reading actually the Coactive Leadership book <gasps> right now, or rereading it actually. And, and it's very interesting because they start by defining leadership. And they say leadership is taking full responsibility. Hmm. You're in charge. You want something, you go do it. And that's what I'm hearing actually from what you're, you're saying is we should have this. That's the way education should be, blah, blah, blah. I will do it. Yeah. And it's true. It's quite daring. It's quite, you could, people could think of it as being arrogant, but it's actually, it's brave and <laughs> it's daring, it's bold, but it's also exposing yourself because you could fail because it hasn't been done. Exactly. One of my colleagues kept telling me because my language at the beginning was many times I'm going to try to, we we're trying to, this is what, what we'll try. We'll see. Okay. She's like, always like no more trying, <laughs> just do it. Cause also again, it's not an easy process, honestly, but it's really exciting for me. And I've actually tried to remove the fear of failure. And I'm even saying now, what's the worst case scenario? I'm just going to create a more usual school. I don't think I can even fail. I've removed it. There's no way I can fail. I'm just going to be not as, as, as a, um, visionary as I think in long term. But then I, I put it the other way around now. I'm thinking, what if I fail? And I think I'm so lucky to just be able, like when I started doing this work and it's crazy again, like I am working with people from around the world. I have people from Argentina saying, we want to come and work with you. They're, they're all these things there. Somebody is coming from Argentina to work with me. I'll tell you, uh, about it. And even if I do this for just a few years, something happens. It's such a privilege. I'm so lucky to do this. It, who cares if I succeed after all? And again, I'm, I cannot fail. The school exists and children are there and they're getting a very good education. But if, if I, if we succeed with this vision, it's going to be just amazing. Just unbelievable. Yeah. We may as well try. We yeah. may as well do it. <laughs> no more yeah, do it. And yeah, no more trying. Just do it. And yeah. when I hear you talking, it reminds me of um, a TED talk uh, by a lady, unpronounceable name, but she's got an amazing TED talk called uh, Draw My Future. And she says, once you've got a clear enough vision of what it is that you want to create for your life, for your career, just like, it's so attractive. And that's what I'm hearing when you're talking that you're just full of energy to just go do it. Just like I'm animated to go after this. Yes. But, and again, I told you at the beginning, what's important for me, not to romanticize this at all. This was a horrible year, the past year for me. I did not sleep so many nights, not because I was working at night, 
because of the sheer amount of stress. Because now I know I had, I did the life design. I know I'm not supposed to stay until two o'clock. I know I'm supposed to meet friends. I'm literally trying to do it. But the only way I can compare this part is, is like when you have a small baby, you know what you should ideally be this balance, sleep, uh, eat, uh, meet friends, be romantic with your partner. You, the baby kind of. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> over. No, I'm going to scream now and I'm going to need this now. So it's not over. But I, for me, I kept telling my, my friends and also because I was a bit crazy, I wasn't able to see them. They're away anyway in Bucharest. And even when I was going to see them, I was so tired or so stressed. They're like, what are you doing? Hello, come back. It, it is when you create, there is this creation, I think. It's like the, the thing that's created needs your nurturing and your attention more than anything else. And I think it's something that we need to normalize again. I think sometimes we normalize this, oh, a per perfect balance always. And you know, we don't have, when you get a small child, you don't have any balance sometimes at all. When you start something new, it takes a lot more to get it going than later. So yes, balance. But I, and I remember hearing this from uh, Michelle Obama at one point, because uh, somebody was uh, telling her, it seems like you have everything or you've had everything. And she said, yes, but not at the same time. So <laughs> I think it's just. Same. You do get energy, but then you get a lot of energy intensive work you need to do. Yeah. So it's about managing the waves in a way, right? It's not like it's a flat sea, it's, it's a turbulent sea and you just learn to ride it and, and have fun doing it. And sometimes it's not that fun, but at least you know why you're doing it. And, and yeah. ultimately, okay, it, it goes through and you've got then Argentinians who want to go to your school. Exactly. They want to cool. Work. Create this with us. Yeah. Andrea, I don't want to take more of your time, but is there anything that you wished you had shared? Any other learnings from your journey that you think would be useful to share? We have this part of the, um, the curriculum that is called the spiritual area of development. And people are like uh, very suspicious. I see when they're like asking me, what's this? What is this? <laughs> and I said, I think that the foundation of our life is profoundly, it should be profoundly spiritual in the sense that being guided by values and a sense of purpose and contribution and uh, co-creation and being there with others and also this sense of joy and contentment. And it's basically, it's that coaching perspective when you think that if imagine you are about to die or you're dead. And you look back at your life and I think we're, we're afraid in the moment, but then always when we have the bigger perspective, which is an exercise that I try to do a lot, or even I literally imagine I'm away from the earth and I look at my little life here on this little planet, like in the pale blue dot photo. And it's actually it's very important for me now here, but it's actually so unimportant in a way. It's so small and it goes by so fast that I don't know why we worry. It's almost like a game. We can, we may as well try things. So even we, we're not going to die of hunger when you try it. It's so exaggerated, our fear actually of this failure. We're, we're safe. We're held by systems. We're in good countries. Most of us we have, so we're not, we may as well do it. It's small. It goes by fast. Let's do it. Do it. That's yeah. a good closing statement. Yeah. Thanks. Where Thank can you. people learn about what you're doing? 
today? So we have the website, uh, Colina Learning. That's the name. Colina means hill in, in Romanian. So www.colinalearning.com or follow me on no, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm not extremely active, but I am. And now from your podcast. Well, that's just a one-off. You'll have a lot more to share in the, in the future. Andrea, thank you so much for having been on this episode. Thank you too, Greg. I hope this episode inspired you to follow your passion and purpose because that's my mission with this podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and family. Also, if you know someone who's looking for direction, I run a six-week course which combines deep personal work, group coaching sessions, and a buddy system. Participants love the course. You can learn more at www.dareb.me. Dareb is spelled D-A-R-E-B-E -E dot M-E. Dareb yourself.